Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, episode number 133 of Let's Go Racing. Tyler Jones and Dominic Aragon here with you. David Starr off this week. He'll be back with us next week. We are getting you ready for the championship four as we will determine the newest NASCAR Cup Series champion as well as an Xfinity and truck champion this upcoming weekend at Phoenix International Raceway of what's been an exciting season. Uh, and coming right down to the very end, four drivers, all with an equal shot to win the championship. We'll share our thoughts. We'll make our picks. We'll go over all the latest happenings in the sport with a lot of headlines heading into this final week of the season. And then we will also look back at the weekend was at Martinsville as Ryan Blaney picked up a big win uh, this past week and clinched his spot in the championship four, where he is going to be joining William Byron, Kyle Larson, and Christopher Bell. More on all of that coming up in just a matter of moments. Dominic Aragon joins me right now. Dominic, how we doing? Happy uh, Halloween to you, by the way. Yes, happy Halloween. We were just talking before we got on air about some of our favorite Halloween memories. I'd be curious to hear what some of your guys' favorite memories from Halloween have been over the years. So let us know there if you're watching here on YouTube, below in the comments, or write us in at davidstarpodcast.gmail.com. We'd love to hear a little more about those. But yeah, I think back on, on Halloween a lot, Tyler, and it was really cool to do it as a, as a kid, and you go to different houses, and you always remember the houses that give out by the handfuls or by the, the full-size candy bars, but it's even really cooler, too, when you can, or just more cool, there we go, more cool is the right word, where you, you take a little one, and you see it through their eyes, and got to that with my son a couple days back, and really cool to see just the, the, the lighting up on his face. Do, do you remember your first Halloween? I don't remember my first Halloween. Um... I do remember some great memories uh, over the years. Uh, I think my 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 favorite Halloween memories were probably uh, of just how fun it was for my parents, like the thrill they got out of me dressing up for Halloween. Um, like I was Superman one year when I was very little. Uh, another year, it was this was really funny. Uh, in case my mom is watching, uh, she's gonna laugh about this. When I was in the first grade, she sent me to school dressed as Zorro for Halloween. Probably not appropriate for a first grader to be showing up dressed as Zorro. Uh, you know, not a movie, uh, you know, a six or seven-year-old should be watching. But nonetheless, it meant for a hell of a Halloween costume. Did you win any contest that year? Uh, probably. I'm not sure. I don't remember. But, yeah, it was, it was one of my favorite costumes over the years. Also, uh, dressed up as my dad one time for Halloween, like took his name badge from work and everything. Uh, that was one of my favorites. Uh, always been a big Halloween fan. Uh, how about you, Dob? Yeah, I would say kind of just dressing up with different characters over the years. Mike Wazowski from Monsters, Inc. dressing up as that, I think, as a second grader. Buzz Lightyear as a first grader. Dressing up as a rock star. The last year I went trick-or-treating as a freshman in high school. With the long hair and everything and kind of looking like I could have been Danzig or Megadeth. That was a lot of fun. And yeah, honestly, even as an adult too, getting into it and, and making sure to, to dress up and have some fun with it, dressed up in the fire suit and, and done the race car thing a couple of times and get a lot of awkward stares like, oh, why are you dressing up? It's Halloween, babe. You got to have some fun. It only comes once a year. Absolutely. got to go all out for Halloween. Oh. Uh, love Halloween, great holiday. And uh, David, he's enjoyed Halloween with his family and we're uh, enjoying ourselves here on uh, this edition of Let's Go Racing. You know, it's so interesting, Dom. 
usually in years past, we've ended the championship and then we've gone into Thanksgiving weekend the following week and then come back and do the awards and all that. For now, this championship is a little earlier, ending in the first week of November, but it's not necessarily going to last that way for long because next year with the Olympic break, the championship gets pushed back a couple of weeks to more of that traditional date we're used to. Yeah, we'll see how 25 works out, but it seems like NASCAR's called the last few years, 2020 through this year, ending that championship weekend, the first weekend in November in Phoenix. And, and again, I don't know if this is coinciding with all that too, but most of the country does the whole fall back, spring forward thing. They have coincided with the NASCAR Phoenix race weekends a handful of times over the last 10, 12 years. So I don't know if that has something to do with it too. If there's something there, that's just a strange, strange, weird coincidence. But it, it is kind of nice too, at the same time too, where the season ends a little sooner and you have a little bit longer of an off season. I'm sure the teams appreciate that and being on the road so much. And that Olympic break next year is going to be nice for that. But that's a temporary thing. We'll see how that all works out in 2025. But, yeah, ending a little earlier is, is still something I'm getting used to because when we were out there in Homestead a few years ago in that last championship race weekend in 2019, I'm pretty sure that was the Sunday before Thanksgiving or two Sundays before Thanksgiving. But nonetheless, it was later into November. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. Uh, you know, quick turnaround as far as that goes. But nonetheless, uh, Dom, let's uh, look back at the weekend that was. Ryan Blaney gets it done at Martinsville. Also, Martin Truex and Denny Hamill, as well as Chris Buescher, some of the notable drivers eliminated that did not advance, advance to the championship four. Let's start out with Ryan Blaney. Um, I got to say, we've seen this win-your-in scenario in the past. Nothing against Ryan Blaney, but, you know, he's kind of been inconsistent for much of the year. Hasn't, you know, won a ton. This was one of the more surprising win-your-ends that I think I've seen. Credit to Ryan Blaney because I didn't see this coming. Well, even what's more surprising, Tyler, is how well the 12-team ran throughout the round of eight. You go from the, the ultimate low of lows of being disqualified for, what, 16 hours after the Las Vegas race and being 67 points in a hole to, oh, wait, we got our points back, and it's rescinded, and then the stronger run at Homestead, and being 10 points to the good. He was good enough to point his way in had he not even won. Had Hamlin won, Blaney and Byron, that might have set up an even more interesting battle because Byron had struggles throughout the entire race. But at, for most of the race, Tyler, it seemed like Ryan Blaney, he picked up 19 stage points. He was in a really good spot to even just point his way into the championship four. And you're right. We haven't seen that consistency out of Ryan Blaney. He even said he's been to the round of eight five times. And this is only the first time he's advancing out of it as a championship contender. Well, and then also like just the race they ran, he won stage two. That car was, as Brad Darty would say, bad fast. I mean, they were up front. They were cooking all day long. I was impressed. I mean, that that was a championship caliber performance from Ryan Blaney. And, you know, now we'll, we'll talk more about next week here in just a second, this upcoming race. But it's going to take that type of level of performance, I think, uh, if Ryan Blaney is going to win the title this weekend in Phoenix and Luckily for him, going from Martinsville to Phoenix, uh, I would imagine they'll probably take the same car, might even run the same setup. I never know. I mean, I, I would imagine maybe not. They've probably been working on their Phoenix car, but because the tracks are somewhat similar in size, 
there, you could probably have that crossover and probably going to change out stuff. I'm guessing with the rear gears and, and gear ratios, that's probably the big thing. And, and look, I'm talking beyond my experience. I'm sure there's a lot more that goes into that, but on the surface from stuff I've heard with different cars that you bring to tracks, a lot of it's the gearing that, that works. And I don't know all the work that that entails. I'll be the first to tell you, but nonetheless, Ryan Blaney strong at Martinsville. He's one of the strongest drivers there had never won in cup. And then Phoenix, Recall last year, I, I don't know about you, Tyler, but I really felt like Ryan Blaney was holding back a little bit with that championship race in 2022 and, and Joey Logano taking the win, taking the championship. Blaney was only within a second or maybe just above a second off of Logano. And I felt like Blaney had a stronger car. Man, and I don't know. Because I think back on it too, I won't name the driver, but a driver told me during the 90s there was a championship battle going on and he was running top lap had a chance to run down leaders. And it was a close championship battle that year. Told me the only time in his career, he did not want to go up there and go battle with any of the championship contenders and mess up the championship race. Makes me wonder, with that being said, 30 years later, if that was what we saw with Ryan Blaney last year. And, and just proven to the bigger point that that 12 team is very strong. And, and also, another fact on this too, Tyler, you look at that overtime finish from the March race, the four championship four drivers, we're within the top five coming to the white flag in that overtime race. They're going to be up front. It's going to be a fun race on Sunday. Ryan Blaine's got momentum. Well, and we've actually even heard from David on this show that you are not going to do anything to mess up that championship four, that you are not going to get in their way whatsoever. And, I mean, I think the days – I can't even remember the last time a non-championship four driver – won the finale race, but those days have passed. We might never see a non-championship four driver win the final race because there's too much at stake. There's too much on the line, and, I mean, everybody's got teammates and some connections with manufacturers. You just you just can't get in the way of a championship, and you don't want to be forever remembered as the guy that cost one guy another championship because – you were, you know, being selfish, going for a win of some sorts. Well, you're absolutely right. In this championship four format that we've had since its inception in 2014, at least on the cup side, you have never had a winner of the race that wasn't a championship contender. The, the closest that came was Jeff Gordon in 2014. He led the most last was, When was the last time a non-championship eligible driver won this race, won the final race? If we're talking Cup, Denny Hamlin in 2013, granted it was a little different format. You had the 10 race playoff, but Denny Hamlin, you have to go all the way back 11 years. And if you're looking at all three national series, I believe it was a, it was the truck race in 19 because Crafton won the title without winning the race. And I couldn't tell you who won the race offhand, but that comes to mind. And then there was an Xfinity race in 15 where the Xfinity race winner was Kyle Larson and the championship winner didn't win. The, but that might not have been championship. Like it feels like since 2011, when Tony Stewart won the race to win the championship, beating out Carl Edwards by one position in, in the tie that year, that that's when things really started to shift. Big time. Brad Keselowski, if I remember right, he was strong at the Homestead race in 12. Didn't win because there was some fuel mileage involved. Jeff Gordon won the race. Denny Hamlin running up front, but Matt Kenseth was second. He was a championship contender that year. And then since this inception of this championship four thing, I think it's even happened twice or three times, Tyler, where the top four 
were swept. The top four positions were swept by championship four drivers. I believe in 2018 and I believe in 2020. Well, they've all finished in the top five. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 2020, I think, was the most recent. And the guy that finished fifth was Jimmy Johnson in his final start in the 48 car. Right. Right. All right. So let's talk about this weekend. Let's go through each driver one by one and uh, their title hopes as far as this weekend goes for the NASCAR uh, Cup Series Championship. Let's begin with the guy who won last week, Ryan Blaney. Um, Ryan Blaney dominates last week. And what? how many wins is that for him now? I mean, it, it's what, three wins he's had? He's had a good playoff run. Um I just don't know if Blaney could do what he did last week again because that's just not been his forte. I don't know uh, how that team, if they have what it takes to go toe-to-toe with those other three cars uh, and outrun those guys to that extent in in a championship situation there. Look, I love Ryan Blaney. I think he's a hell of a race car driver, but uh, he's the one for me that – it's it's hard to imagine of him putting a full race together, holding off those other three here. He's the only one of the four that in the NASCAR National Touring Series has never been in a championship four race as a contender because Byron did it in Xfinity and Christopher Bell's done it. He was there last year and Kyle Larson did it in 21 where he did win the championship. And in fact, we'll get to him in a minute and we'll talk more about Christopher Bell. But looking at Ryan Blaney, only one without the inexperience with the championship four contending, but Gotta imagine is that weigh on you? Is that something that's no big deal? No pressure. You're you're I mean, ignorance is bliss, I mean, for lack of a better term, maybe in a situation like this. But Ryan Blaney winning the championship, he'd be a great ambassador to the sport. He'd be a great title winner and, and he'd represent the sport well. But I agree with you. I feel like it's a tough sell on going back to back. It's way easier said than done. Yeah, yeah, it is easier said than done. You're absolutely right about that. Uh, Blaney with uh, seven top fives. I got to tell you, one other storyline that intrigues me about this weekend. Um, Ryan's sister, Erin uh, Blaney, uh, she's also the girlfriend of William Byron. I imagine sh- she and the the, the Blaney-Byron crew, they, they got to be going through a, a glass case of emotion right now. There's a half chance she's going to come out victorious no matter what happens, whether it be her, her man or her brother. And I think, I don't know if you caught this, Tyler, I think it was one of the NBC interviews where William Byron, had, or no, Ryan Blaney had said brother-in-law referring to William Byron or might have been vice oh. versa, but one of them had referred. So I don't know if that's something, you know, maybe we missed an announcement along the way. Maybe there's been something private and, and private and public life are two completely different things, but I did catch that. And I thought that was interesting to hear brother-in-law. So maybe that's a foreshadowing of some sorts if something hasn't been done already. Yeah. Maybe so. Uh, the other drivers, Christopher Bell, two wins on the season. He's had a very good playoff run. He's got 10 top fives this season, uh, and he's been in the championship four before. I, I would say this, of these four drivers, he would be the least worthy champion um, among them. And I like Christopher Bell. I think he's a hell of a race car driver, but – I, I got my doubts uh, as far as him getting this job done. Can Christopher Bell put put it together, you think, and, and hold off these other three? I just don't see it. Maybe we'll come back and eat our own words here in, in, in a week's worth of time. But I agree with you. Now, what is striking about Christopher Bell, I will say this. He's the only driver in this modern era, modern, modern era of the, this playoff format 
the only driver to have made championship four appearances in truck, Xfinity, and Cup. And he has got it done in trucks. I know it's a completely different animal. You got to figure that experience comes in somewhere. And, and the 20 team does do well in qualifying. Four poles in the nine playoff races. If there were odds for qualifying, I'm sure somebody would be willing to take those odds. Christopher Bell is going to be at the top of those odds to be a pole sitter at Phoenix this week. You got to imagine you have a good pole, you have a good qualifying run. You'll be able to have a great pit selection. Yeah, I imagine that could pay some quite rich dividends on Sunday, but we'll just have to wait and see. Qualifying, we know, is their strong suit, but 312 laps is another game. Uh, Kyle Larson, he's got four wins this season. And I know that Kyle Larson hasn't had the championship year like he had two years ago where he dominated one, what was it, eight, nine-plus races? Ten where, races. Ten races, where they were the best team all season long. But we've seen those flashes of dominance from that team. We know Kyle Larson can win anywhere at any given time. I, I look at them. They've been here. They've done this before. That five team, I I got to tell you, if everything's clicking, they they can they can walk away with this and 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 do so pretty easily. Like they they know what it takes. Two championships in three years. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. And they're the only team. Well, Kyle Larson's the only driver of this championship for this year that has won a cup championship before. So you got to figure that experience plays into this somehow. And Larson did say when he won that championship in 21 that that car was a lot easier than what this car is. So this car is a lot more of a handful and, and, and the, the pack is so much more tight. I, I believe it was Cliff Daniels that said 20, 22 guys could go out and win any given Sunday now. And it goes back to the parody we've talked about on this show the last couple of years. I mean, parody that we haven't seen since the 1990s or early 2000s. So for him to still have four wins in a year like this, I think says a lot about that team. I think we're used to seeing top five guys rattle off double-digit top fives, 20-plus top tens. Well, we haven't seen that in the last two seasons. But one thing we have seen is Kyle Larson up front leading laps where it counts, leading over 1,000 laps this year, first driver to do that in two seasons. Him and Denny Hamler are the only ones to do that this year. But Larson, Phoenix, this next-gen car, I like that, Tyler. I, I like those odds. I think there's one clear favorite. Stands out above the rest. It's got to be William Byron. He's been the best driver all season. His team has been incredible. I told you guys on this very program, go check the tape. I said week two, that is the team to beat for the championship. They got speed. They got to figure it out. I was right. Uh, you go, go check the tape. I said it at the very beginning of the year. That's the team to beat. And they have been good everywhere. They've been good on – Plate tracks, road courses, short tracks, and in their six wins this year, one of them was Phoenix earlier this year. They can go right back to their notes. It's all there for that 24 team. William Byron, and, and, and I'll say this too, every time that they've had their backs against the wall or maybe they were in a slump of some sorts, bam, they got right, of, right out of it right away. That 24 team – it's them versus everybody else. And for them to say their worst race was last week, yeah, they didn't pick up stage points, finished with 14th or 15th. Dang, Tyler, I think there's 30-plus teams that would love to have that as their worst day of the entire season. Six wins. It looked like a Jeff Gordon-esque kind of mid-2000s year 
for William Byron this year. And I know you won't mind reminding our, our listeners and our viewers, who did I pick again? Who was I high on all season? Where's my championship pick? Uh, I, I, I seem to forgot. What, what, what was it, Dom? Uh, well, he, I think he was seven points back of advancing to the championship. I, I said all these comparisons mirroring of Bobby Allison and and 18th full-time year, and just it just didn't work out. He was missing seven points to be in this conversation right now. I, I was uh I was gonna just forget that for you, you know. I I, I didn't want to make you actually have to confess that, but oh, I, I can admit when I'm wrong. And it wasn't Denny's year. Yes. By the way, not to get sidetracked, but can I defend Denny for one second here? Oh, sure. Uh, I saw some people like Eddie Gossage call Denny out and say that you know, hey, he doesn't have the temperament to be a champion, and that. You know, he's too busy fighting on social media or, you know, dabbling too many things and all that. Posting podcasts. Like, shut, shut the hell up. You know, like, come on. Like, and, and much respect to Eddie Gossage, but th- th- that's just that's just bullshit. I mean, come on. Like, it's hard to win a championship. Denny's won three Daytona 500s. He's got 50-plus wins. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest to ever do it. Just didn't work out. wasn't his timing. And you know what? He's shown no sign of slowing down. He'll be a contender again next year. So I'm just tired of this whole narrative that Denny can't get the job done. Sure, he might not have a title to his name, but I don't think it takes away at all from what he's done as a competitor here. I I think it's just a little silly. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I think no matter what happens in his career, I think he said two, three years ago, he's come to terms that he may never be a Cup Series champion, but that's not going to stop him from trying, and that's going to stop him from trying to win more races. I will say though, Tyler, I think this whole Bobby Allison theme was a cool thing to try and 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 narrow down this year. I think my theme next year and the year after that, Denny Hamlin's going to pull a John Elliott and win two back to back championships. He's got a new contract, so we know he's not going anywhere. Uh, he's going to stick around for a while, so we'll see uh, as far as that goes. But with that said, uh, this weekend, William Byron, uh, I'm going to stay with William Byron. I got him winning it, winning the race, win the title and all. Um, Stage points don't matter. Uh, You know, this week, you know, it's all about just winning the race. They understand the assignment. They know what it takes. They've done this before at Phoenix. I I would be shocked if William Byron's not the champion come Sunday afternoon, Don. Who is your pick? I'm going to that same stable, but just a little different. Same thing, only different. Kyle Larson, I think, gets it done and be a two out of three year champion. And now don't be wrong. I think Byron and Larson could easily finish one, two. And we could see Larson finish second to William Byron. But I do think your champion comes out of the Hendrick Motorsports stable. There's just too much experience. There's too much comfort being under pressure like those teams are and that organization is. One of those two is going to be the champion. I do think Larson gets the edge, but I would not be surprised if it's William Byron coming out on top. Let me ask you one more thing before we uh, move on here. Would it feel wrong to you if the champion is not Kyle Larson or William Byron? Would Christopher Bell or Ryan Blaney be a deserving champion? Because that has been one of the ongoing discussions since we've gone to this format is, I mean, you just have to advance. You don't have to win technically to get through all this, and you can walk away the title. I mean, Ryan Newman almost won a championship one year without having any wins. Um, if that were to play out, if somehow one of those two are the champion, would they still be a worthy champion in your eyes, Dom? 
In my eyes, I'd say yes. I think either of them would be a great ambassador for the sport. No matter who wins the championship Sunday, all four of them, I think, would be great ambassadors and and forever cup champions or a multi-champion, like we could be talking with Kyle Larson. But it's not unheard of, too, for drivers to win titles earlier in their career, like Kurt Busch did in 2004. I, don't, I think he had maybe 10 career wins to his name or honor about there when he won. Alan Kowicki had five career wins when he won that championship. We want to really go deep history, Bill Rexford. I believe won two or three races in his entire career in the 1950 championship. So is it, are they going to be worthy? Absolutely. I think they've made it there. They have had seasons that made them qualify for the playoffs. So they were worthy to be a part of the playoff field and even more worthy because they shined when it really counted. So I would say because of the format, because of what we have here, no matter what happens, who wins this, this race, this championship, any of those four are deserving champions. And by the way, along your lines to that argument, because people always love to bring up, you know, back in my day, you know, in the Winston Cup and all that. Um, if the Winston Cup standings were at play, Dominic, do you know who would be the leader going into this weekend? I saw a couple of weeks ago it was Denny Hamlin. Would that still hold true? No, it's actually the guy in the championship four with the least amount of wins, Christopher Bell. In the old Winston Cup system, remember, like, five points was the equivalent to one in the current day system. Mm -hmm. Christopher Bell would be going into this weekend with a 67-point lead to Denny Hamlin. William Byron would be 68 back, and Chris Busher would be 96 back. So you'd have four guys within distance, but Christopher Bell would need about a 14th place finish. Uh, with no bonus points to win the title, 16th or better with a lap led, 18th or better with the most laps led, and he'd win the title. Oh, you're going to hear the argument, too. Oh, drivers would race different if that was the format and the points, but it's still very fascinating to hear that. When you just play out the numbers and the stats, hey, I'm a numbers guy, I'm a stats guy. You hear something like that? It's pretty cool to hear the consistency across the board. Well, so, yeah, so for all of you that are saying that want to do the worthy champion argument and say, oh, it wasn't that way back in my day, well, Christopher Bell would be pretty much well on his way to a championship, and he's got the least amount of wins of the four going in this weekend. So something to ponder, something to think about. Um, the Xfinity and Truck Championships, uh, what do you think is going to play out there, Dom? Well, I think it's really cool that no matter what happens with the Xfinity race, we're going to have a new champion like how we did last year. We had a championship four that could have seen a new champion arise when we did with Ty Gibbs. And we're going to get that again this year because you have Sam Mayer, Justin Allgaier coming out of the JRM stable. And they've never won a championship in the Xfinity Series. Now, granted, Sam Mayer won his way in, and he, he's still very early in his career. But Justin Allgaier, the elder statesman. That sounds weird, by the way, Tyler, saying that Justin Allgaier is the elder statesman of the Cup Series in Jar Motorsports. I remember when that was Elliot Sadler a few years back, but I'm sidetracking here. Cole Custer, another name. We see him. We've, we've been high on Cole Custer on this show. Not necessarily a demotion to the Xfinity Series, but more of I a – I thought he was going to win more than he did this year. Maybe that was more of a disappointment, but that team making the, the championship for – you have some really, really good drivers in that Xfinity bunch. It's going to be really cool to see that no matter who wins that race or who be, who comes out on top, we're going to have a new Xfinity Series champion. And then in the Truck Series, Corey Heim. Heim time. It seems like it's been nothing but Corey all year in trucks. If Ben Rhodes there in that championship race, maybe we see a back-to-back -back championship. Oh, and by the way, he had a great 
news conference when he won and he may or may not have had a little bit to drink and he may or may not have had a lot of fun with that press conference. That was fun to, to see that. I'm sure the fans would enjoy that too. So I, I think of just the, the racing that we're going to see though, on a serious note, and we, we crowned three champions this weekend with the truck series, Xfinity series and cup series Friday, Saturday, and Sunday respectively. And it's going to be a great weekend of racing. And, and I know you've gotten the chance to see these races in Homestead, Tyler. We'll have to get you out to Phoenix someday. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, NFL schedule says otherwise, but you know, <laughs> we'll make it happen uh, sometime. Uh, the guys I'm looking for, Dom, those uh, Xfinity and truck side, John Hunter Nemechek, I think, is going to be tough to, to beat. Uh, you know, he's been awesome all year long, seven wins. He's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And then the truck side, you know me, I, I, I love what Co Carson Hosovar has did done this year, not just in trucks, but in cup as well. He, I, I think he's going to be a future star in the cup series. Those are the two guys I'm looking for to uh, get the job done this weekend in the Xfinity and truck side. I, and Carson Hosovar, really great, consistent name. And, and I think he made the comment, God made these cup cars for me, and running with legacy and really, I think, outshining how how good that equipment is, making it look great, top 15 a lot, and making it look easy in trucks. There's a reason he's getting a promotion to the Cup Series next year. Inspire's trying to build something around him and Corey LaJoy. I agree with you. I, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Spire Motorsports looking like they're building something really good here and the investment they're making into their organization, their team, the sport. They would be doing this if they felt, number one, of course, that there has to be a little bit of money involved too, but that they couldn't be doing it successfully and there's front furniture road racing vibes i'm getting from this organization and, and what better way to build your team around two young guys a great veteran and corey lajoy and then carson Hosevar, just reeling that talent a little bit more we're going to see some good things out of carson and oh we might even be talking about how he's a former truck series champion yeah yeah maybe so uh we'll see how that goes uh dom let's go ahead and get to our news and notes as we head in the final week of the season, there is plenty to discuss and go uh, on. Let's uh, get started there. Let's start sequential. That might be the better way of doing this in the, in the order of events that we found out. We'll start with Eric Almarola announcing Saturday morning before the Martinsville race weekend that it is time to move on. And Eric Almarola will not be returning to Stuart Haas racing in 2024. Almarola had spent the last six seasons with the organization qualifying for the playoffs on, I believe, four Attempts as high as fifth in points in 2018, winning twice with the team since he joined in 2018. Al had been tinkering with retirement over the last couple of years and seemed like he was a shoe in to do that at the end of the 2021 season. Wanted to spend more time with his family, but he held on for a couple more years. And the thought was too, Tyler, I'd heard just from people I've talked with that he had approached about doing some sort of deal with Stuart Haas Racing, maybe a part time thing in 24. But it just wasn't going to work out with Stuart Haas Racing. And plus, Smithfield Foods leaving. Do you want to talk about a brand ambassador? And that man ever writes a book on how to make sponsors happy. Eric Almarola might be your guy to do that. But I don't think we're done seeing him, Tyler. I think we might still see him. Maybe Rick Ware Racing. Maybe some of these part-time teams. you got to imagine there's a team out there that would love Eric Almarola's expertise. He doesn't tear up equipment. You know, it would be very funny if uh, he drove for Denny Hamlin after all <laughs> these. That's what I want to see. Um, but that's, that's a side note. If, if you know, you know on that one. Um, as far as Eric Almarola goes, he's had a solid career. 
I think everybody would have taken his opportunity that he had. Like we were talking, you know, at this time last year, David was saying, Eric's crazy for even considering retirement. You're at a top team with a great sponsor and you're still in your thirties. Why would you consider retirement? And it, it sounded like Dom that Smithfield was going to leave. And with that, Stuart Haas, that was the thing that was keeping him at Stuart Haas was the Smithfield partnership. If Smithfield wasn't going to be there, then there wasn't really a spot for Eric Almirola at that point. With that said, he's had a solid career. He's not going to be a Hall of Famer by any stretch of the imagination. But, I mean, a lot of people would have taken the career that Eric Almirola had. I, I would call it a success. As far as the future of that car goes, there's one name that's gaining a lot of traction, and it's Noah Gregson. Uh, he appears to be the odds-on favorite to take that ride. And, and I got to say, with all this, the media storm and, and everything that happened with Noah Gregson back in April, if it works out where he's in a Stuart Haas car at the end of this, uh, things worked out pretty okay. For him to be in, in a better team when it's all said and done, Noah Gregson might be the big beneficiary here. Well, you got to imagine, too, Stuart Haas Racing doesn't want another opportunity to slip through their hands like they did with Kyle Larson. His situation happened a few years back, and he was in his process of getting reinstated. Tony Stewart wanted Kyle Larson. He wanted him to drive the the, the one of the cars in the organization. It just wasn't going to work out. And I feel like Tony Stewart probably had more of a say-so in this if I had to speculate from the outside looking in. Look, here's a great guy. Why do we want to let him slip and go to another place? We already lost a superstar with Kyle Larson. Maybe we don't have to lose Noah Gregson here. Because let's be honest, let's call it what it is. Noah Gregson has some pure talent behind the wheel. And, and yes, he's had some sponsorship that's helped him along the way. But even without sponsorship, Noah Gregson has shown how well of a driver he can be behind the wheel. We saw him wheel those JR Motorsports cars. We saw him show some flashes of brilliance with the 42 team this year. And that those limited starts we got, or when he got to fill in for Alex Bowman last year in the 48 team. Noah Gregson could be a solid driver in that number 10 car. This uh, this Stuart Haas team, if you had Noah Gregson to having Chase Briscoe, Josh Berry uh, to that mix, and then uh, who else am I missing? Uh, oh, uh, Ryan Priest. That's a team of all young drivers that, I mean, they go hard. Like, they give zero Fs. But then also at the same time, as cool as that is to be a young team, Dom, this team would have a lot to prove. First time without Kevin Harvick in, what is it, a decade there at Stuart Haas Racing? He's been carrying that team so much over the years. And, and those other teams that performed here, there would be a ton of pressure. I mean, there is going to be a ton of pressure on those four drivers to step up and and get this thing going to, to get Stuart Haas's performance up to the level it needs to be because – they're getting outrun by everyone in the Ford camp. Penske, RFK Racing, I mean, th that team is well underperformed. Oh, very much so. Uh, Daniel Baldwin, I don't know if you follow him on Twitter, NASCAR YouTuber, has a lot of traction, a lot of following. I think he's listening on our show here a couple of times. Daniel posted, he was at the Stuart Haas Racing Shop. And, and, and you know, teams, they like to, to brag. And you, you need to have your people rallied up and, and excited about your accomplishments. Kind of like how football teams will hang when they've won a conference title game or a Super Bowl and they hang that in their stadium. Race teams and race shops tend to hang when they have won races and dates and all of that. And there was a 2023 missing banner from the Stuart Haas racing camp when he was there. He showed all these ones from 2020, 2021, hanging there on the wall in the team shop. 
but nothing for 2023. That just speaks to how tough this sport is. And you have four guys racing for this team that, like you said, they have so much to prove. Haven't won at the cup level. Those three, most of these guys haven't won. So it's a tall order to sell, I think. And you've lost your big sponsor with Kevin Harvick leaving and Bush going to Ross Chastain. And you lost go. Smithfield. And now Smithfield. Josh Berry's never won in Cup. He did finish second at Richmond this earlier this year in Hendrick Equipment, but he's never won in Cup. So unproven there. Noah Gregson's never won in Cup. He's finished top five a couple of times. Ryan Priest has never won a Cup race. Who else am I forgetting here? Uh, Chase Briscoe's won. Okay, Chase Briscoe has won. So yes, three of the four have yet to win, but Briscoe has only gotten one win. So you're you're you have. And he won. hasn't performed well since that win. Exactly, and and their momentum got killed this year with that 100 point penalty they had. I think after the Coke 600. So yeah, one win between your four guys, a lot to prove here. That's a big and, rebuild. And think about this too: the Xfinity program. Riley Hurst hasn't done anything, and. You know, there was high expectations for Cole Custer. I know he could still win the championship this year, but we were talking about going into the season, wow, Cole Custer going from Cup to Xfinity and how well he raced before at Xfinity, he'll probably win seven or eight races. And they got two to show for. One of those was that Chicago race, which didn't even get to halfway. So, I mean, it was a Mickey Mouse win there. I mean, just nothing has gone right for that Stuart Haas team. What else we got? Well, and speaking of Xfinity, I think that's a great segue into to what happened on the track later that day. The Almirola news broke in the morning, and the, the tight racing that you saw for the Xfinity Series Championship 4. Two teammates going for it, and Sheldon Creed and Austin Hill going for one spot, coming up dry. I mean, Tyler, we're looking at Austin Hill and Sheldon Creed there on that final restart. And, and, and in my opinion... Sheldon Green doing everything he had to do, trying to race as clean as possible. Two guys racing deal, using each other up. And the ending of that race where neither of them make it into the championship race. But the aftermath of that and, and, and the comments from, from Austin Hill to Andy Petrie going and confronting Sheldon Creed on pit road and Sheldon's post-race comments, Richard Childress post-race comments. So much to unpack with that. It just It seemed like it was all the dirty laundry and the dirty air just being aired out there on pit road and in the garage from that Xfinity race. Like we, like there's so much more under the hood to unpack with that. Yeah. Um, first off, so Sheldon Creed leaving that organization and the way things unfolded, those uh, final laps, him trying to advance the championship four, I don't think Sheldon Creed did any, anything wrong. This Richard Childress Racing organization does not respond well when people leave on their own terms. We saw it with Tyler Reddick last year. And now this deal, this year, I mean, what the hell? What, what, did, what did Sheldon Creed do to piss these people off? I mean, like, um, I thought it was a, a bit of an overreaction from everybody there. And even on the racetrack, I mean, Sheldon Creed didn't do anything wrong as far as I'm concerned. And I don't know if you got this too either, Tyler, but I, I thought maybe I'm looking too much into this. Correct me if I'm wrong. Please do. Please really do. But – for your now soon-to-be former teammate in Austin Hill doing his post-race interviews and saying, oh, well, well, Creed is going to Gibbs next year, when that news hasn't even been announced. There seems to be this respect in the top three series. Drivers will not announce another driver's news. They let the teams do that. They let the drivers, even if it's the worst-kept secret, there still is official announcements more often than not. I felt that was a cheap shot move for Austin Hill to, to go and say that again, even if this was the worst kept secret in the Xfinity series garage this month, you don't announce another driver's news. 
I don't hate it as a as a media guy. Selfishly, I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I get where you're going. I don't disagree. But from our vantage point, I love it because we're talking about it. And yeah. you know, Shelton Creed, he's got a ton of talent. I mean, he's a wheel man. We saw what he did in the truck series. Now you get to Joe Gibbs Racing, and I got to tell you, I, I really hope that this is the the kickstart that Sheldon Creed needed because. RCR just didn't seem like a good fit for him. Really didn't. And, and Sheldon Creed still winless in Xfinity. He showed some flashes of brilliance. I don't use that term a lot, but Sheldon going to want on Saturday. Absolutely, despite all the adversity the team was facing. But I, I think we see Sheldon break through next year, win some races, kind of have like a, what a Cole Custer season kind of had this year. Wins, advance to the playoffs. Sheldon Creed will be in a lot better shape. All right, what else we got? All right, looking ahead to the NASCAR Championship Cup race weekend, looking at some of your opening odds. Now, of course, if you had to guess, the listener, the viewer, at the time of the taping of this, ahead of opening practices and qualifying, of course, your top four drivers, they're going to be your odds-on favorites as of right now. So let's run through that. So Christopher Bell coming into the Phoenix race at 9-2. to two. William Byron at 16-5. to five. Ryan Blaney, 11 to 4, and Kyle Larson at 3 to 2, so plus 150, in other words. So then the odds would be the same to win the championship, then. Yeah. Essentially, essentially. And just some of the other drivers to, to of note Kevin Harvick in his final race, 15 to 1. Tyler Reddick, 22 to 1. Denny Hamlin also sitting at 22 to 1. Joey Logano, past Phoenix winner, 25 to 1. Same as Martin Truex Jr., another past winner at 28 to 1. Chase Briscoe, who won this race in the spring of 2022, sitting at 50 to one, and the odds just get higher and higher from there. Kyle Busch at 55 to one. That just that sounds crazy to me. Kyle Busch at Phoenix, but like David has said, and some of these other drivers have said over there, you race different around these people running for a championship. Got to imagine that's not going to be any different from Sunday. And and some of the championship odds that I'm looking at, again, opening odds, and we know these are going to change throughout the weekend, mirroring what we're seeing on the race end as well for some of these guys. Kyle Larson looking like the odds-on favorite at this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Kyle Larson, the odds-on favorite. But I, I got to tell you, the, the values in William Byron, like especially if you're a betting man and you're trying to make money this weekend, how would you not make the bet on Byron when he's the guy that's dominated all year and he's the guy that's won at Phoenix? Like from a betting perspective, that's the play here. Yeah, you got to imagine William Byron having a great year. The the momentum the 2014 has had. They won Phoenix in the spring. We know it's a different animal now in the fall. But, yeah, you, you look at how well teams run. It's very hard to argue. That's why I'm telling you, I, I don't disagree with the William Byron championship. I give Kyle Larson that edge in my opinion. But if there's somebody he loses it to, it's his teammate. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, time for our mailbag segment. We ask you to submit questions to us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, at Star Podcast. Also by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com is uh, where you can find us each and every week to get your questions in. The uh, first question in the inbox comes from Sandy. And uh, Sandy wants to know, guys, what is your favorite Halloween candy? Ooh, Sandy, that's a good question. Favorite Halloween? Okay, does it have to be only something that you get at Halloween or any kind of candy qualify here? But this is what I was thinking, because my favorite candy is a Butterfinger, but I cannot remember the last time I saw that within Halloween candy, because it's very rare that they come in that, how, that you know, fun size, whatever. If I'm talking like actual Halloween candy that's easy, that is everywhere, like Twix is my go-to. 
Twigs. I like the confectionery stuff, like the sour things, like maybe Skittles, even not the sour Skittles that that way as well, but like wildberry Skittles, little fun size packages. My son got a couple of those. So sorry, Christopher, I'm taking those. Daddy's got those. But even like the the sour neon worms or sour patch or Swedish fish, stuff like that, the colorful bright candies that have more of a like a sugary taste. I'm all about those. Yeah. Next question in the mailbag comes from Henry. Henry wants to know, guys, would you like to see the championship race move from Phoenix to another site? Henry, I'll, I'll say this. Um, not to be an apologist for NASCAR, but this is just the reality of it. Here's the situation with what NASCAR's got, all right? So with it being in the month of November, whether it's the 1st of November or the end of November, same thing. It has to be in a site that's warm this time of year. So that limits your options. That's number one. Number two, it has to be a NASCAR-owned track. They're not giving the championship to SMI. It's not happening. NASCAR, as long as they own that championship race, it's going to be a NASCAR championship site, a NASCAR track. So that limits your options. So then at that point, Dom, <clears throat> of tracks that fit that criteria, you are down to Phoenix, Homestead, uh, let's let's call Auto Club that, even though it's in it's what it is right now. We'll we'll just say we'll just count Auto Club in that, and that's Talladega. Um, that's really about all that could work for the championship race, given that criteria there. Exactly, and they're not going to want to give that to Texas or to Las Vegas, which again would be great venues as far as those are SMI tracks. Exactly, they're not going to give that up to SMI. Maybe Richmond. I know Martinsville was unseasonably warm this past weekend, but that was even, even Nashville is a little bit too risky. Yeah, I, I could see that not being really good. I mean, we're, we're here in New Mexico this week, and we're sitting at highs in the 50s. We're going south to Phoenix this weekend. It's a lot warmer. We're, granted, we're higher in elevation, but a lot of what you have along Interstate 40, Nashville falls on that. You're not going to have warmer temperatures this time of year. Right. And Atlanta, who had the championship for several years, that's an SMI track, so it's not going to be Atlanta. So your options are just limited. So I think in theory, you would love to have like a bid of sorts, you know, to, you know, a host city for the championship and all that. But just with those things in mind, your options are really limited to just a few places. I mean, uh, Phoenix, you're always going to have good weather. Your chances of rain are going to be very minimal. And they've sold out. Every year they've had it. Phoenix is a very good host, and you've seen it firsthand, Dom. Oh, absolutely. And, I, of course, I'm going to be a little biased towards that because that's my home track, if you will, only five and a half hours away from here. And that's my closest drive. I joke that that and Vegas are my only two tracks where if I leave the track on Sunday night that I can sleep in my own bed still from that same race night weekend. But can't really do that anywhere else. But, yeah, when we're talking weather, Homestead and Phoenix are the no-brainers. And even with Florida, you got to worry about the pop-up showers. And the other thing you have to look at, too, is from an infrastructure standpoint, NASCAR has invested so much into the facilities at Phoenix Raceway. If you had been to Phoenix Raceway prior to the, the fall 2018 race, it was a different facility. We're talking from the grandstands to the buildings to everything. It is it, That track has had a facelift. And, and you got to imagine NASCAR is going to want to make some of that investment back on whatever track they're hosting at. And the, the other ones that come to mind are Talladega and Richmond. I'm, I'm sure there's stuff in the works for 
for Homestead. And then what about starting and ending the season in Daytona? That could be a possibility. But then again, you run into the, the, the factor of a super speedway determining your championship race. That's risky in itself. I like Daytona to, to be the last race before the playoff. Yes. That's fine with me. But it would be odd. You know, I, I don't think it would feel right to crown a champion of what the champion's job is. And maybe you could rotate it between Homestead and Phoenix. Uh, but Phoenix, to its credit, has done a really good job. And the races, that, that was the other thing that Homestead did, Dom, was the racing for that championship was always exciting. It was a terrific product. To Phoenix's credit, I know there was some doubters like, hey, can Phoenix do what Homestead did? To their credit, they've delivered really good championship races the last several years. Oh, absolutely. And those restarts and fanning out three, four, and five wide and being able to use below the apron and, and not have to worry about grass like we hit with the old format and the old track. So much good racing at Phoenix. We we have seen some great racing, great product, like you said. I would be opposed to I'm taking a step back and just looking at it from a national perspective, especially if there's more investments that are made into Homestead and Miami Speedway, I could see that championship race weekend returning there someday. And an alternating thing I think would be a pretty cool thing because you have one West Coast, one East Coast, and so forth, and you know that's going to be the alternating thing for a while. I think you'd have some fans behind that now that we have a good sample size on how good the racing has been at Phoenix now coming up on the, the fifth year of doing this. If they could work out a deal with SMI, I think Vegas would be a terrific host. Oh, I'd love to see Vegas do that and, and Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And I, I'd heard a reporter make a, a comment years ago. It'd be really cool to see if you get the logistics figured out. But maybe you could even at that time with Champions Week being there, start your Champions Week celebration right away. That same week, parade the car down the strip. There, there's so many cool activations you could do with that. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff with that for sure. Uh, Dom, uh, are you off to Phoenix this week? I'm off to Phoenix. I will be out there for Xfinity and Cup for those championship races. I won't be out there for trucks, but I'll be out there for the duration of the rest of the weekend. Tyler, I know you're going to be out there in spirit. We'll get you out there someday, but it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. We've got a full team with the racing experts. Our, our managing editor, Jonathan Fiel, will be out there. Joseph Igo, who's been helping us out on the photography and in, and writing, and Joe Larquente, and, and, and the whole crew, the whole cast is going to be out there. It's going to be a lot of fun and a great way to cap off the, the NASCAR season. Yeah, definitely exciting. Uh, David's busy with some racing schools this weekend. Uh, there at Texas Motor Speedway. He had one coming up Wednesday, a corporate event, and then got another public event coming up on a Saturday. So if you want to be a part of that, check that out, teamtexas.com for more. Uh, I believe they're going to be under the lights on Saturday night there at Texas Motor Speedway. And the weather has cooled off a lot. So uh, you don't have to worry about getting in a hot race car uh, if you want to check that out. Are you going to be out there, Saturday? I'll be just enjoying some things this weekend, just uh, taking it easy. And then uh, I'm on the road next week uh, off to uh, Kansas City next weekend. So, But uh, definitely going to enjoy some things here. With that said, we will sign off. We'll check the flag out on this episode. We'll see you next week with a full recap of the NASCAR Cup Series Championship and uh, share our thoughts as we look back at the season that was. As always, subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Hit us up on social media, Twitter and Facebook at Star Podcast by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. For David Starr, Dominic Aragon, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. This has been another edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.